We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Morning Grinders! Welcome to DFS Pregame Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Casual Friday. God, we're taking things casually. We normally do anyway. Talking about yesterday's NBA slate. Maybe hit on today's a bit. I don't know. I don't know. It's NBA. Eight million things could happen between now and eight hours from now. So who knows? But I'm always answering your DFS strategy questions in the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there. Hog Lawrence, Andrew Garcia, Matt Mears, Joe Mack. Give me those thummy thumbs. First thing in the morning. Give me the thummy thumbs. And uh, and hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live yesterday. Uh, things didn't work out according to plan. Uh, National Blowout Association. Yeah, the blowouts didn't help at all, right? Blowouts did not help at all. Uh, yesterday, uh, I cashed one out of 20. <laughs> cashed one out of 20, right? Got Harden, Bane, Giddy, right? Batum. The Clippers just crapped a bit. Everyone crapped That Portland. I mean, the Portland players kind of got there, but Nurkic could have gotten there much better if they weren't blown out. Everyone was being blown out left and right. Dennis Smith Jr. gets there regardless at 4,000. Harden, Harden gets there, right, pretty much. I mean, for this slate, 60 points. Right. We take a look at take a look at winning lineups. <coughs> winning lineup single bullet. Yeah, if you, if you know when when uh, John Conchar is going to get 17 rebounds, I guess I guess the Time Lord wins. I guess I guess uh, Sepult is a Time Lord and knows exactly what's going to happen. Right. Herbert Jones with the ceiling game. Right. Let's go to have how about here's a 150 MGA 120. Yeah, like a one one percent on Trey Man in this lineup. Yeah, if you were able to get that that that, that right the right cheap guy at one percent and uh, your gold, let's see Hishbu's top lineup. Who I study? Uh, yeah, this seems this seems reasonable, right? Jeff Green was announced as a starter when uh, when J. Michael Green was ruled out, although he didn't project all that well anyway. 
You got Harden, you got Macklemore, you got Giannis, you got Sharp, who only only put up, what, 14 points? 13, 14 points? SGA, Bruce Brown, Dennis Smith. Okay. Perfectly reasonable lineup, right? Right, it's all, and that Raging Phillip, actually, uh, had exactly the same lineup also. Second lineup over here, very similar lineup just with C.J. Ellaby in it. Okay, so just a 1v1. Take a look at another 150 maxer. Bowen's Highland. Yeah, I mean, if you were able to, if you were able to jam in like the chalk and find that 1% on guy, uh, you, you're gold. Well, here's, here's, a, here's a little bit different lineup. Right, because Ellaby in there, Baisley instead. My lineups kind kind of kind of look like this. I didn't. I was. I wasn't playing as chalky as this. If we add this up, I mean seven. I mean, look. Once you add up one, two, three, you're already at two hundred and twenty percent owner. I mean, this is a heavily, heavily chalky lineups, right? I play a little bit more. I play a bit more contrarian than this. Take a look at uh, Shrek, right? Cameron Thomas played four Brooklyn players. To Portland, but I mean, all these guys were in my pool, right? Cameron Thomas, if you add this up, what, 17? It's still very, extremely chalky line. Extremely chalky. RBX, top lineup, had comp- Composo in it, but still, stream. once you play Sharp, Harden, and Smith together, I mean, you're, you're getting there, right? You're automatically, if you play them all three together, you get 210, 213, 220, 21. In total ownership for only three spots, you have five spots in your, your lineup ready to go, which you can, which you obviously can do. Did I have lineups with all three? I'm not sure. Did I end up with all three? Let's see. I mean, they were my like top exposed guys, other than Sharp. Right? We take a look like one, two, Harden and Smith. Right? Because I didn't have that much Sharp. Right? Okay, here's one. Here's Harden, Smith. Sharp, right? So this is, this is a very, very chalky lineup. Giddy, Nurkic, Batum, Middle D. Yeah, this is an extremely chalky lineup. Here's just with one of them in it. Kessler Edwards was a dud. I had less of him. I mean, if we take a look at my, my actual lineup set, right? I still had 19 of 20 was hard. 16 of 20, Nurkic. 14 of 20, Dennis Smith. Right. And I look at Dayron Sharp four. Kessler Edwards two. James Johnson one. I had more if you did my 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 thing was Blake Griffin. Because why why should Blake why 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 in our projections? I mean, obviously no one could have seen that Paul Millsap was going to come out of practically retirement in order to play, but he did. But I was thinking like we had Sharp at 24 and we had uh Griffin at 20 minutes. And like one was 71% owned and one was 3% owned for a difference of four minutes. That's, that didn't seem logical to me, right? So it's like Blake Griffin ends up fitting in so many more lineups than Dayron Sharp just, just for the ownership discount. Dayron Sharp has, you know, even, 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 even in 24 minutes, in 20, even if the minutes come out that way, Blake Griffin could still outscore him. But of course, we we didn't we we didn't even have Paul Millsap, I think, even in the projections at all. I don't think anyone did. Just came out. Okay, I guess he's playing. Hasn't played in, I don't know, hasn't played since the last month. But that's what happens. Fragile stuff like that. I like taking advantage of the fragile situations. 
So that net situation was very fragile. And the field was extremely confident in Dayron Sharp. So where can I exploit the field's overconfidence in what should be a fragile situation? Kessler Edwards, who says who said Duke or Javon Carter, Bruce Brown. I mean, they, they played 11 guys yesterday. So that's what I was taking advantage of. We see across the board, not many people. I mean, if I look, a lot of people. Chipotle had a little bit of Blake Griffin, Nerdy Tenor had a bit, but not many people went there. Not many people did that, right? Even the Bruce Brown swap, that was kind of mixed, a mixed bag. Kessler Edwards was kind of like, I see a, a lot of people were under or not as much, not as much Edwards, not as much Giannis as a pay-up option, but heavily into Harden Smith. I get that. Giddy. Yeah, there was a fair share of Giddy. I was under, I don't think I had any little lines. I'm trying to kind of, uh, for the most part, yeah, I mean, mixed bag here. I looked through, I didn't have any Jaron Jackson. Uh, I seem to be, I seem to be with consensus there. I just like going through and seeing, you know, I didn't have, like Cameron Thomas, I didn't have it all. Just going through. I had a bunch of Amir coffee. Apparently, I was wrong there. I mean, it was a blowout, so who the hell knows? So what I like doing is, like, I built my lineups, right? I built built my lineups based on the, the ownership that, that I projected. Now I want to rebuild just to get a sense of different lineups with the actual ownership. And since I've, I, I've only gotten back into playing NBA DFS for, what, two or three days? I, I, I'm finding myself a little bit rusty on the ownership. I'm being too I'm being too conservative. The chalk is chalkier. That 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 it's turning out to be like I, I had like they run sharp, and my my original run is like forty four percent up. He ended up being seventy one. I had Harden at sixty. He ended up being seventy two. I Den- I Dennis Smith right. I had him at seventy eight. That ended up actually being perfectly on the nose. But I had like I had like a lot of like Kessler Edwards, I had at like 32, and he ended up being 39. I had Giannis at 20 and ended up being 27. I had let's see, like any anyone else, like the chalkier guys are being are chalky. I mean, that that typically is what happens. Even in large field GPPs, that from the ownership projections, still people tend to go. And lean heavier on the best, you know, the best uh, salary adjusted value type plays. More so, even though the difference between like in this range and that range is not much. But what happens is that once you start raising all these, the chalk of your plays a little bit ownership uh, percentages, everyone else has to come down. So like when when I have someone like, you know, Desmond Bain at 20%, he's not going to be 20 anymore. He's going to be 16. When I have Kyle Anderson at 12, he's going to be 10, right? I, I, I go down the board. I go, you know, I look at Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It's like I have him at five. He ends up being two. And that's like a, a knock-on effect throughout the entire player pool. So it could dramatically change the types of lineups that you're building. So like, okay, so what, what I did before the show is I plugged in all the actual ownerships in my pool, Okay. We did that yesterday. I just wanted to save a little bit of time. 
And I want to see what types of lineups come out. So I'm just going to build 100 lineups <clears throat> with three uniques just to get a, get a, get a little, bit, little bit of diversity in there. To see if the lineups that come out, uh, and also I'm, I'm keeping the, the ownership cap somewhere around 250. Similar to kind of, kind of most of my lineups were under 250. A lot of my lineups were under 200, but the max 250. Just to see what lineups come out. Just at, at, Are these lineups in general dramatically enough different than the lineups that I built based on the now actual ownership? I don't care about the player the player projections. I'm only working with those player projections. I'm not going to put in the actual. I don't care. Who cares what happened yesterday? But had I projected ownership a little bit better, I'm going to get a ton of Blake Griffin regardless. He's, he was actually lower on than I projected him to be. Right? So we're getting a lot of Marcus Morris, Nasir Little, Kessler Edwards. Right. See, barely any sharp at his ownership and getting more Blake Griffin. (coughs) We go through these. (coughs) Let's start eliminating some (coughs) and see what we find in general. 239. Here's one lineup that, hey, here's one lineup that it was I actually had, right? Here. Here's a here's an actual Zabe lineup that's what fourth on the list. 235. Let's see if we could beat 235 just to go through, see what lineups. We obviously see one lineup that came out, exactly this the one that I had. 233. 231. And I had a mix of all different ranges of, of lineups. I had some really contrary ones, some a lot more chalkier ones out of the 20. So going through 231. Can we get find a lineup lower than 231 with the actual ownership now? 225. And I'm doing this to see what lineups exist. Oh, here's a lot. Here's 234. See? Uh, this would have been slightly too high owned, right? So this is a lineup that I played: Harden, Coffee, Igadala, Attentacupo, Griffin, Smith, Bembry, Nurkic. Compared to the lineup above it, this was a little, little over owned, based on actual ownership, but not by that much, right? The difference in point three and the difference in projection and a difference in nine points, and the wrong way with ownership. So it's not, it's not horrid. No, it's not bad. But still, it's not a lineup that I, I do. I save that as well as how do I delete just this while still saving into my save lineups? Ah, who cares? Just get rid of it. Let's see. So far, I'm really not seeing any that that dramatic of difference directionally. I was more on point, even if I was off. Two twenty three. See what's left. This is 223. Here, 218. Okay, okay, we got it. We uh, Here's a lineup that I played that fit in <coughs> with the ownership versus projection. Harden, Coffee, Middleton, Anderson, Griffin, Smith, and Dort, Nurkic. Okay, that fits. 
right? Get rid of this, 218. We gotta be 218 now. Let's see, can we find any other lineups? So far I found two, two lineups that even with the ownership at actual would have made would have made my my candidate list at least. Would I have ended up playing it? I don't know. I mean, I, my candidate list could end up being <coughs> sixty or seventy lineups, and then I pared that down to twenty. All right, let's see if we could be two eighteen. There's two seventeen. Let's see. Should we be two seventeen? Okay, we got a two hundred five lineup. Okay. Okay, there we go. What does 205 lineup look like? Okay. So we take a look at these 11 lineups. And it's like, okay, you actually get more little. I over I over projected Little's ownership. I think I had Little at 32, and his actual was 21. So it looks like that, 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 that would be the biggest discrepancy in my lineups versus what I actually, versus what, what I could have had more of. So basically little, right? I would have ended up with more, much more little, less, less Griffin actually. The little would have fit in somewhere. <clears throat> I think I would have had a little bit more Portis, right? Because I had Portis projected at 12% owned and he came in at six. So now at 6% ownership, I get more. Right, still one Kessler Edwards. I don't get any sharp in my player pool. I don't get any sharp in my lineups. I only get one Amir Coffee lineup out of the 11. A little bit better. A little, yeah, it would have been a little bit better, even though he obviously Nurkic with the blowout. I had Nurkic projected a 32% ownership, and he came in, and he came in at 24. So obviously I should be getting more. Doesn't mean I would have won anything. I mean, I, I, would have my lineups made that much of a difference based on this? Probably not that much, right? Right, I had no SGA, right? There would be no SGA in here. You have the one Steph Curry lineup that does nothing because that was a, that was a massacre. The Bucks totally destroyed them. No, okay. This is what I look for. So the main the main thing was little. This is how I review. So had I been a had I been a little bit more accurate, I would have had more little of lineups. I would have had less Blake Griffin. It wouldn't have mattered. It's not like Sharp did much anyway. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I get it. I would have jammed in Harden and Smith into most lines. Right, okay, that, that's exactly, that is what I did. This is a review. This, I mean, this, this should really be how you review slates in NBA. Do something like this. Take a, take a look at across the board. Players that you respect, 150 maxers. Well, it depends on the contest that you're in. And go through. Did they make lineups similar to how I made lineups? I take a look at like someone like 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 uh, like Brick seventy five for instance, right? I take a look at what their lineups look like. Like it's still it's still all players that I had in my pool, right? I just didn't have much of Sharp and Edwards. It's still Giannis Anderson, one SGA lineup. Right, I take a like go through. I go through. It's like okay, take a look at the the combined. Obviously, much chalkier line when you're playing Smith, Sharp, and Harden together. They're going to be much. They're much sharper, much chalkier lineups. 
But are there ones that don't have all three together? Dennis Smith Sharp with no Harden. Right, there's Middleton's in here. Jaron Jackson's in here. They had a lot, a lot, of, a lot of much chalkier lineups than I had. All right, seven. Once, once I see Sharp, Harden, and Smith together, most likely going to be much, much chalkier lineup than the ones that I was building primarily. <coughs> but I mean, you can see that across the board. I mean, take a look at the highest owned, like go across the board here. It's like everyone, 78% Smith. And like everyone was over that. Harden, 72%. Everyone except for one. Well, technically, right? Nerdy 10 or 69. Close, close enough. They were on sharp as 71% owned. And like the Colts is a little under. Nerdy Tender is somewhat under, right? But mostly everyone is just jamming these guys in. I thought Dayron Sharp was the most fragile situation. Sharp and Edwards were the fragile situations. Based on the results, I, I was I was I was pretty good. Just that didn't capitalize on it. Didn't capitalize on it. And that little actually came in under owned. And it's quite quite possible that like a lot of these guys, like the Colts and RBX, like they projected little little to be higher owned. And that's why they get less of them. Because, I mean, when you look at Mr. Good Seats, Nerdy Tanner, Brick 75, 32, 32, 33%. That's where I thought he would be. So at 21% ownership in this contest, yeah, I probably I probably, sh- I probably should have had him at somewhat. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he put up 25 points for 5,600. Oh, we're not caring about the results. At the time that I made my lineups, would my decisions change? based on new information, which is the, the ownership. Well, yes, based on that, I could obviously see that. I, I would, I, little would have been in lineups. Right, compare this, compare this to this, even though I got rid of one lineup because it was duplicated, right? Right, I, I don't see, there's no little here, right? I still got Middleton. I, get, I have less Giddy, right? Giddy, how does Giddy come up? Yeah, Giddy, yeah, Giddy I, had, I think I had lower. I think Giddy, I had it like 22, and he came in at 26. So he made less lineups. Still made lineups. He still made lineups. Oh, interesting. Like Bembry, Bembry didn't do anything, right? What did Bembry score? 6.25. Yeah, didn't not all that well, right? Still, most people are, yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's not like it wasn't a play or anything. He was there. Looking through the YouTube chat. There's not much action, not much action in the YouTube chat today. If you got any questions to ask, you could always type things. You could always type it in there in the YouTube chat. Hit the thumbs up button. And that's where I answer stuff. Or what you could do. Is a good join Roto Grinders Premium. I'm I'm in the I'm in the Discord. And there's a special channel just for me. It's called Blender's Game Theory. You can ask me any question that you would ask me during the YouTube chat here. You can ask me anytime there. So it's like you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for the morning. Or some people, some people can't make it. Some people don't listen on the podcast feed. They never they're never watching live or whatever at eleven o'clock in the morning. So go in there, rotogrinders.com slash discord if you're a premium member. And I also do group coaching calls on Zoom. 
like private coaching in a group set. You can just ask me whatever you want. We go over your results. We screen share. We go whatever, whatever the hell you want to do. The next uh, coaching session is Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So if you, if you sign up to Roto-Grinders and you join that channel, you'll, you'll see the pinned message there. A little form to fill out that you want to participate. You want to talk. You fill it out. And, and Sunday at 2, I just go through, hey, it's, you know, whoever's first on the list, hey, what's your problem? Let's go. Let's talk it out. Live on Zoom. Face-to-face. So do that. Rotogrinders.com slash Discord. Or rotogrinders.com slash premium. Click on the link in the description to get $10 off your first month. Uh, Joe Mack says, uh, will there be a show with, with oh, the Advanced Sports Analytics show? No, that, that, that's only for the regular season. So no, there, there, will, there will not be an NFL Advanced Sports Analytics show for the playoffs. So that that's done until... Till next year, probably. Assuming it comes back. I don't know. I'm not in charge of that stuff. Uh, Masher, if you trust your projections and want unique lineups, can you set your mint seller at zero in the build rules? Yeah, yeah, I guess you can. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't particularly, typically in basketball, you, you typically want to spend most of your salary. Because the salaries are much more correlated to production. Like it's more like baseball, it isn't as important. Uh, you baseball, you could you could you could leave you could leave six thousand on the table and be fine because you know, oh, a cheap team hits 18, 18 runs in a game. Some expensive pitcher gets blown up, and then yeah, lineups with like that only spend forty two thousand could win because it's much more variant event driven game. NBA not so much, but yeah, most of the time, no matter what my minimum is. If I put it at 49,000 or 49,5 or 48,000, I'm going to get pretty much the same lineups regardless. It's only when you start getting up to the top. If you force in 50,000 and you go 49,9 or something like that, then you may start losing lineups that actually project better but spend less salaries. So a 49,6 lineup that projects better than a 49,9 lineup. But if you set your minimum at 49,7, you never could see that line. But typically below 40, you're typically not going to find, unless it's on a slate with like immense amounts of value in multiple spots. I mean, more so than last night. That you're probably not going to see many lineups that leave more than $1,000 on the table. So that's why, like you can see, it might said typically 49000 I put as the floor. I usually don't have to pay attention to it. The only time I have to pay attention is for late swaps. A more expensive guy is out, the next thing you know, the only way to swap out, you got two games to choose from. You already have you already have Jokic in there for for twelve thousand, and he's out. It's like, well, it's not going to be able to spend forty nine thousand anymore. So you better lower that minimum salary floor. The lineup builder won't be able to build lineups. Chad asks, "Is Cody Martin Martin worth it tonight?" I don't know. Is he worth it tonight? <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Is he worth it? Does he project well? I don't even see him. Cody Martin? Probably not. As of, as of right now, he projects 27 minutes and 21.37 fantasy points as a median. He has a 21% chance of, a, of exceeding salary-adjusted value. 
Will that happen tonight? No clue. Nor do I care. Andrew Garcia, small slate for MMA tomorrow. Are you leaving more salary on the table? Yeah. I haven't even looked at the MMA. I mean, I looked to build a dummy lineup. Because I knew that they had to add people, right? Because this fight got canceled. That fight got moved. Two people. Kelleher has Kroom now as an opponent. TJ Brown is going to be ridiculous chalk. I wanted to play TJ Brown as an underdog. But no, now against Rosa, they have a fight that the favorite, the minus 250 favorite or whatever is, is 7,100. And the dog in that is 6,800. Are there, are, there, are, there, are there 10 fights, 11 fights? But yeah, leaving money on the, like, like do, leaving a ton of money on the table. Because we probably have two, two underdogs, two underdogs that would, two underdog salary fighters in Kelleher and Brown that if this if this slate got priced as it was now, TJ Brown would be like 9,200 and Kelleher would be 9,000. Like something like that. So if let's say Brown and Kelleher both like destroy and then two other underdogs do well also, you may line up that leave 2,000 on the table would be the nuts. And especially on a slate that's much smaller anyway. Right, we got 10, maybe 11 fights. I don't know. I, I Hopefully not nine. Nine is the worst. 10 is bad. 11 is right. 11 is like right at the line of, of, of playability, of optimal playability. I prefer 15. I mean, I want, I want as many fights as possible to make more unique lineups. But yeah, but leave, leaving, leaving, leaving a ton of money on the table. Or at least someone, at least something. I mean, I'll have to see what lineups I spit out. I mean, kind of my my spreadsheet kind of takes care of that automatically for me a bit. But I'm gonna I'll run I'll run my lineups and I'll see you know what the stat what what where where my salary ranges ended up. And if I'm getting too many in like the forty nine five plus range, I may just eliminate. If I look and I see that the the, the dupe factor is probably going to be too high. But yes, and I think also pl- playing the playing the the leverage against uh, playing Kroom or Rosa is even more valuable tomorrow. If TJ Brown's going to be like eighty percent owned or something, like I said, I haven't really looked looked at the slate. Maybe maybe I'm off. But if he's going to then then you know it's not like TJ Brown has let us down plenty of times. And Charles Rosa at 6,800, even with 80 points, could be in the optimal line. He's that cheap. Same thing for Kroon. And you all, and you know that the opposing fighter is mega-owned. So maybe it's the time, maybe you play more lineups that don't have both of them together. One or one or the other. Highly contrarian lineup would be playing Rosa and Kroon in the same lineup and fade them both. Or fade the fights completely. That's that's your mindset. That's how you should be thinking about it. Okay, let's see. Hog Lawrence says to pass on the small slate. Yeah, I I pass. I I don't build 150 lines for these things. Like I don't I don't think on, on tomorrow's MMA slate I may I may do I may do 40 to 60 in the large field, and I may play like one entry in the 555 or so do something like that. Playing 150 lineups when the duplication factor may go up, you know, tenfold is just a recipe for just losing money. 
you come in first place, you, you have a lineup that's even, you know, do 27 ways and you, you barely make any money. Grant Brown says, how do you get a feel for the dupe factor in MMA ownership product or just feel? Well, ownership product, yes, one. But come feel, I just look at the lineups. It's kind of, it's weird, weird, weird to say. I just look at the, I look at the lineups and go, no, this is going to be, this is going to be too duplicated. It's easier for me to do it on larger slates though. That's the problem. I've played nine to 11 fight slates where I go, this should be unique enough. And it ends up being duped 22 times. And then because I thought that was unique enough, I have lineups that are duped 48 times also. Right. I don't kind of, I didn't judge. It's like, no, that, that should, that shouldn't be duped that off that much. The ownership product is low enough. Nope, it isn't. On a 15-fight card, it's even much easier for me. I can just I can look, I can just distinctly just look at the lineup and go, that's under five, that's under five, that's under five. That's a little chalky, maybe under 10. And then I look at one, but that that, that may be unique completely. Right. See like two, two single digit owned guys that leaves 48-7, you know, it's 48-7. And then it doesn't have the chalkiest fate, doesn't have the main event fight in it. And you go, okay, there, there's a unique. I can just go down the list. I'm basically looking, I'm basically, when I go through my lineups like that, I'm looking for the obvious ones where I look at it and go, that's way too chalk. I'm looking at a lineup that's 49-9 and leverage wise, it makes sense. Like leverage, it's typically their, their lineup towards the bottom of my, my, my set. And leverage wise, yeah, it, 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 it makes sense from a leverage perspective, but maybe duplicated 30, 40 times. So I just get rid of it. Grimble, do you look at the leverage percentage in the stack section, an NBA Slate IQ article every day? Or is that a waste of time? NBA Slate IQ is, I don't want to say it's worthless, but it's its worthless. <laughs> I don't want to say that. MLB, NFL, so, uh, sports that, that have correlation, it's very useful. It's extremely useful. MLB, MLB Slate IQ, I, 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 like, I, like, I pray to. Right, NFL Showdown, Slate IQ. I, 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 I bow down. It's you know godly, right? But uh, NBA, I mean, like, uh, other than the size of the slate, it looks the same every day. Nothing to change. Not, nothing's going to change enough that you're going to be looking at. It. Just build, just build lineups, projection versus ownership. There's nothing much more to do. There's no, there's not much correlation involved with anything. There's nothing to stack. There's nothing. You just. What's the what's the, what's the projected lineup and what's its ownership and is that a, is that a good trade off and what contest are you in and woohoo there you go MLB you're like okay this stack this this these combinations of lineups will be owned X versus how often do they appear in the top zero point one percent and you have these combinations of the Mets and the Boston Red Sox and you're barely playing five guys from a team stuff like that it's like well like now now. Because that's how people play. Baseball didn't have any correlation, just batters. Uh, Aaron Reynolds, do you factor in specific player leverage such, such as if a high-owned player were to fail, his teammates do well? I feel like the optimizer would rarely give you those lineups without manual tweaking. Uh, well, the projections are the projections. If a high-owned player were to fail, then most likely his team fails also. So like yesterday, I played a bunch of Middleton, for instance. It just so happened that he was leverage on Giannis. 
but I'm not going to play. I'm not, I wouldn't play Middleton at 12,000, even if he was leverage on Giannis, right? Because the price is too high. And if Middleton was 4,000, I'd play him regardless of that, right? So it's still a, it's still salary. It's still, you still have to base everything around salary. So I don't mind. Like, oh, well, what happens if Dennis Smith Jr. fails at 4,000 yesterday? Well, most likely the Blazers fail. Who are you going to play? Oh, I'm going to CJ Ellaby instead. Well, CJ Ellaby and Dennis Smith Jr. could both still get there. They're both cheap enough. So that's what you have to think about is salary wise. Typically, players are chalky for a read. Like, if Harden doesn't do well, who does well instead? No, probably no one. Look at who the Nets were playing. If Harden, if Harden has a snowflake, that means that that means that Brooklyn was blown out. So it's more likely that in that case, I'd rather have no one from the game than have someone that benefits from that. The only time you split split players is when when their salaries are so expensive for their ceilings. But it typically means they they both don't project that well to begin with. So you're unlikely to get them together in lineups anyway. So like if we look on yesterday's slate, like we look on the, like Jokic, like Jokic versus Barton or something like that. Well, if Jokic doesn't do well, Barton does well. I mean, they, at least they project these. Right. But maybe you don't play them together because of their price. But like when you go when you go down the list, let me go to my excluded pool, right? Like I didn't play Carl Anthony Towns. I didn't play Anthony Edwards. Most likely, like Edwards, Russell, and Towns, it's going to be hard for multiple two of them to have a ceiling in the same game, right? For for them to have sixty. You said so. One of these guys has sixty points. What do the other two have? Probably less than sixty. So you probably only want to play one of those three at these prices. But if you take their prices down by 4,000 each, you'd play all three of them in the same line. So at efficient pricing, you probably don't play them together, which I wasn't. I wasn't going to play any of them, actually. Ingram and Joval, probably very similar at their prices. They're They're about efficiently priced. They're a little bit overpriced. So if you're going to play them, you're probably going to play them separately and not together. Or just don't play them at all, which is what I chose to do. So those are the only instances that you're looking at. But you could see that in the projection. When you see, when you see low smash percentages, low, uh, negative salary adjusted values, you go, well, why would I play two negative salary adjusted low smash percentage players? In this, on the same team in the same lineup. You probably don't. Probably, even if you left them in and didn't set a rule, a group for it, it wouldn't show up that much because you're giving up, you're using two spots and giving up more projection each time for both of them. You're not going to get much of the Ingram and Valanciunas if you ran long. So if I just added them to the player pool right now and built 100 lineups like I did before, I may get zero of them. Right. Let alone have them both together. Right. Let's let's try that out. Let's say I put Ingram and Valanciunas in the pool. Okay. And just put them in. Right. Or whatever the ownership it was projected. Whatever it is. And I'm going to build a hundred lineups. 
I, I, I don't think, I don't see myself, how much am I going to get of either of them? Let alone have them both together. Even without, not, I didn't even set a group or anything. So let's see. Maybe I put my foot in my mouth. Maybe we actually do see a bunch of that. I doubt it. Because you wouldn't spend up there. You still have Harden. You still have other people to spend up for. Okay. So we ran 100 lineups like we did before. Let's see. So I'm getting heart. Okay, I got 10 Brandon Ingram lineups. And one Jonas Valanciunas lineup. Let's see. And Jonas Valanciunas is not with Brandon Ingram. And you're only getting Ingram because he fills a small forward spot. Yeah, obviously. Which is a weaker position, right? Right, Brandon, shooting guard, small forward. Yeah, I get it. Okay. I mean, he fills, I mean, he, you don't get much of him out of 100. You definitely don't get Valanciunas and Ingram together. And let's, let's, do, let's do the other thing. Let's, let me add Towns, Edwards, and Russell together. We'd run the same type of lineups, okay? I don't know how much of these guys do we even get, let alone together. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Just doing this as an example. So a lot of times you don't even, if they're too poorly, I don't want to say bad, poorly projected players, but not the greatest of projected players. Most likely they're not going to show up together as it is. So you may not even need a group. Here, Towns, six, Edwards, six, Russell, three. So we go to the Towns lineups. Yeah, I don't see, I don't see, I don't see another Timberwolf in these lineups. Towns, 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 Towns. They're all separate. Anthony Edwards. Right, they're all separate because they both don't project all that well. They have to be surrounded by players that do project well in relation to their salary, especially at their prices. Right? Yeah, so you, you don't even get them together. So I didn't even have to set, I did, I did not even have to set a group of only one of Towns, Edwards, and Russell. Just based on their projections alone, it's unlikely they're going to be put together to give you a high enough projection. Anyway, people get, to, they overthink a lot of stuff that they don't necessarily need to do. Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Simplify your process as much as possible. Most of the stuff you're dealing with, you're spending a lot, you're spending a lot amount of time, a lot amount of headspace on if it was even an edge, it would be this small. And you're and you're not spending any time on the macro stuff of how do you have a repeatable process, macro-wise, that conceptually makes sense to win GPPs or whatever contest you're in, in DFS, that you could do on a daily basis. That's what you'd be focused on. Whether or not deciding between the two players within a fraction of a point of each other, flip a coin. Don't waste your time doing that. You should spend the the, the amount of edge you get. It should be the amount of it should be proportional to the amount of time that you spent. So, like 50-50 decisions. You know how you, how much time you should spend? Zero. If it's a truly a 50-50 decision, flip a coin and move on. Right. But if you have if the edge in large field GPPs, you have a 20, 30% edge over lifetime ROI wise, you should be spending most of your time on whatever you do to do that every day. So you bink once or twice a year and that's it. And just do it every day. You're going to lose 90% of the time. Yes. 
And that's why you review the slates and go, what decisions, what lineups were made beforehand that now that I have this information would have been any different. So my lesson from yesterday was Nasir Little was 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 not over-owned. He was actually under-owned. But other than that, my lineups weren't that dramatically different. Well, like I would have, there's no way I would have won first place or anything. Not that I care about the results, but just like I look at the lineups, projection versus ownership and go, I was fine with that. And then look and go, if I knew this ownership would have chin out, it just would have made me have less Dayron Sharp, right? So it's like, I already had less Dayron Okay, so it doesn't change it. I would have had more Nurkic, right? Nurkic, I had a 32% ownership. He came in at 24. Because so many more people were playing Sharp than I had projected in the center spot. So I look at my lineups that had to, you know, when I, when I look at my lineups and I go, wow, I had 15 out of 20. Nurkic lineups. I go, well, had I known he was even less owned, I would have had like 18 or 20, right? So it's like I was in the right direction. I was directionally accurate. That's all I'm looking to do. Anything else before we get out of here? Masher, why might someone be successful with small slate NBA two to four teams and less successful with larger slate NBA. Uh, depends on uh, if you proper lineup construction. It's much easier. This is a weird, it is a weird thing to say. It's much easier to get different on small slates than it is on large slates. And that may sound counterintuitive. Okay. Cause you think oh, a large slate, Oh, nine game slate tonight. So many more options. So many more ways to get different. It's like, but that's not that's not how you win. You, you don't win tournaments by having more ways to get different. It's more more options to get different. You win tournaments by getting the most different. And the, the distinction between the two. On a, let's say on a three game slate, let's take a three game slate versus a nine game slate. On a nine-game slate, it's like you could play like Steph Curry or Giannis. There, there's there's five pay-up options. There's tons of good projected value players, and it's like, wow, I have a lot more. I have a lot more ways to, and then I could get different with like there's 18 teams on the slate. I could play some $5,400 shooting guard. You know, you play someone, and then there's there's tons there's tons of options to play. On a three-game slate, there aren't that many options. Right. So it makes it easier for you to decide how to get different. If it put some people are have, are better that way. Like imagine imagine yesterday's slate with the Nets and the and the Trailblazers. Let's tack, let's take off like the Minnesota Memphis game or something. Let's take off two of the games and make it a three-game slate. You know how easy it is for me to play Blake Griffin instead of Dayron Sharp? On a three-game slate, Sharp would have been 80% owned, and Griffin would have been 5% owned. And Griffin puts up 32 points, and Dayron Sharp puts up 10. That that one player, and then jamming in the, the, the seven highest, highest projected players, may win you the GPP. Because you know exactly, you, have, you only have three games. 
So it's very easy to go, where can I be different? It's easier. Some people, some people find it easier. I mean, I could do it either way. But when you have nine games that are on, it's like, well, there's, there's, that's when people use the, the phrase, which is wrong, is incorrect. I understand the sentiment of, oh, on large slates, you don't even have to consider ownership. There's, there's so many options, don't even worry about ownership. No, you always have to worry about ownership. What that phrase really means is that there's going to be, there's going to be 20 options of 5 to 8% owned players that are worth playing that don't necessarily care the difference between a 5% and a 10% don't play, right? There are enough options that you don't have to, you don't have to worry about ownership, but it doesn't mean that, oh, this is when you jam all the chalk in, or no, you just ate all the chalk. Like when people hear you don't have to worry about ownership, that's wrong. You always have to worry. It's one of the main variables of the game of DFS and GPPs. But on smaller slates, the ownership gets really condensed. Right. If, the, if we had that, we took out, like, let's say I'm going to put, I'm going to put, I'm going to put all the other players, include all, I'm going to put all the players back. In. Okay. I'm going to take away, I'm going to take away the first two games. Well, let's say, let, let, let's, let's keep the uh, Golden State, Minnesota, Memphis. So let's, let's, let's take away, let's take away some games. Let's take away, let's just take away the first two games, right? The Pelicans and or do you want to keep Giannis in? Let's keep let's keep Giannis in just for the sake of because it's gonna get gonna get weird. Or do we? Okay, we leave okay. No, now let's let's take out the first two games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take out the players, these players in the player pool. Obviously, the ownership's gonna be different now. Exclude these filtered. Okay. So now all we got is the last three games. You got Dennis Smith, James Harden, Yusuf Nurkic, Dayron Sharp. Let's say those are, let's say you wanted to play all of those, those players. Right? They're gonna be the chalkiest players on the entire slate. But it's like, you know how many other players? I mean, how owned, how owned is James Johnson gonna be? How owned is Jay Robinson Earl gonna be? How won't like once you start getting down into this range? These guys start being single-digit owned, and you could play multiple of them. So it's much easier to see. It's like, like just like in the nine-game slate, it's like, oh, here's 20 options at 5% owned that are all worthwhile to play as a differential in, in your lineups. And you could play two of them out of these 20. Well, which two do I play? That's where people, that's, and that's where people, I don't know what to do. And then they screw things up. On a smaller slate, how many options do you have? It's like, well, I can't play. You you go in going, well, I can't play all four of these guys. Or you go, I, as long as I play insert 2% own guy here, only because it's very, very obvious that it's like, well, I can't half these guys are going to be so owned. That how at, instead of picking two out of 20, now you're picking two out of six. And some people find that easy. They, they, it's easier for them to see, well, why am I playing Daron Sharp when I can play Blake, Blake Griffin instead? Right? I'm going to play for Denver to blow out Portland, so I'm not going to play Nurkic. And I'm going to end up playing, you know, I'm, I'm going to play Dennis Smith because his price is just too low. But I'm not going to play Jokic in those lineups, right? And since you're playing Harden, it's like, well, I, I'm going to keep the, the OKC game is going to stay 
competitive. I'm going to play. I'm going to play shy in those lineups. Or I'm going to play Dort, right? Dort, Dort's under-owned or something, right? And it's easier for you to see, see where those ways to get different are. Does it make it any different from the large slate? No. But that could be a reason why people may have an easier time in GPP on smaller slates. It's like, oh, this, these guys are going to be chalky. Who's the direct negative correlation to that? Because those are the only options you have. It's not like, oh, these are going to be popular. I'm going to play this guy in this other game. You only have three games to choose from. So it's easier to see those points of leverage, right? It's easier for you to go, well, what happens if I just play as if the Denver-Portland game gets blown out and just play no one from the game? And then just stack the crap out of OKC Brooklyn. Okay, you could do that. But you wouldn't do that on, on a nine-game slate. You wouldn't be playing five, ga- five, six players from the same game on a nine-game slate. But you can on a three-game slate. So it makes it easier. Less decisions. Uh, okay. Anything else before we get out of here? I don't even know what's going on in tonight's slate. What's happening? We don't, as of right now, we don't have ridiculous, ridiculous values, right? We don't have, I'm seeing Christian Wood, Cole Anthony, Steph Curry against Chicago. Nothing that stands stands out. I mean, like, none of these guys are cheap. Jordan Poole, no, I mean, that's barely anything there. But you know what's going to happen between now, between now and seven o'clock Eastern? It's going to be, you know, the, the, this guy's in, this guy's out, that guy's hurt, this guy died. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But that's why you turn into Grinders Live. Turn into Grinders Live at 5, 5, 10, 5 o'clock, around there on this channel. That's why you subscribe. You hit the notification bell. Then crunch time for premium members. And if you're interested in, uh, in all the stuff that I they say on the show, like all the concepts Projection versus ownership, that type of stuff is in the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15 hour audio masterclass. It's like going to a seminar. You could go back and watch all of these DFS pregame shows I've done for it. It's been two years worth of shows, 500 hours or so. I don't know, probably more than that. And you'll get the whole thing, right? But if you want it in one little package, all structured for you, for you to listen to again and again. To have the concepts cement in your brain, go to theoryofdfs.com and pick it up. All right, we got all these chapters, all the audio, all the everything there for you. And uh, we'll see what's going on with the, the basketball slate tonight. So that's why check out Grinders Live, check out Crunch Time, and I'll be back on Monday uh, to, to answer your DFS strategy questions, as always, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.